Refreshing, delicious and packed with the good stuff. It's The Juice with Louise Wilkinson on Newcastle Live Radio. It is time to welcome back our baby whisperer, Natalie Ebrill from Sleep and Settle Sleep Consultants. And today we're talking about sleep, but when we dive a little bit deeper and become sleep detectives, what could be disrupting the sleep? Natalie, you (laughs) consider yourself to be, and I love that phrase, a sleep detective, working out why babies and toddlers aren't settling the way that they should. And there's a surprising reason sometimes, isn't there? Absolutely do. Absolutely. (laughs) It's not always because they're being naughty or they choosing not to sleep. It's not always a behavioural sleep problem. Sometimes it's a physical problem. Mm. And I guess it can be quite challenging, you know, when we're sleep deprived and we sort of do think, you know, look, you're just mucking up for me. Why won't you settle? Um, You know, I've done everything that Natalie tells me to do. I've got the room quiet. I've got them off technology. I've done everything and it's still not working. What is going on? Yes, and today's typical suggestion about what the problem could be is going to be about worms. Yes. (laughs) Look, I don't think that you get through a parenting journey, do you, without uh, experiencing worms at least once. And um, yeah, yeah, they're interesting little critters. (laughs) Oh, and and I, my daughters and I are all traumatized by worms. (laughs) Yes. We, we've got the three girls. We've, we've um, gone through that experience, yes. And one of them gets cold shivers and looks at him. <laughs> you can just easily see her reaction. <laughs> yeah, it's, when, when it's like that with, with worms and nits, I find. <laughs> They're the two things. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I used to... She had such long hair when we were doing the knit treatment. I would sit her at the kitchen bench and she put her head on her hands and go to sleep while I was combing her hair. Yeah. <laughs> it took hours, yeah. <laughs> but worms, it is. And the thing about worms is that it's, they're really common in children across yes. all, all age groups and, and preschool and primary school. And, you know, they're, they're it's just one, exactly like you said before, we've got these kids that could have been great sleepers and then all of a sudden they're resisting going to sleep and they're waking up in the night time and they're wetting the bed and mums and dads are like, what the hell is going on? But mm. these little kids can actually have a really horrible impact on, on the ability to go to sleep. So how do we identify a child with worms? So the first thing that you notice is they've got an itchy bottom and they're trying to scratch it all the time. Yeah. And they'll, they'll, the child will become naturally irritable, frustrated, maybe uncooperative, a bit fidgety, can't sit still, can't concentrate, be argumentative and they can even get angry. And this is the most common reason I find besides sleeping bags uh, for a child not uh, being able to stay in the cot and they'll climb out of the cot because yeah. they're just so, <laughs> yeah, irritated. So they want to scratch their bottom. They might even walk strangely and they'll frequently urinate, maybe wet the bed at night time and... They may also have pains in the tummy and have a poor appetite. So they're, they're the things that would trigger us to think the child could have wounds. Mm. And then what do we look for when we're actually physically identifying worms? So the first thing to try and 
to look at would be when you're drying them after the bath to see if they have a bit of a rash around their genitals and yep. it's going to be bright red. So a thrust rash will be red with a dotty outline, but a worm rash will be very neat and just around the yep. anal passage. And so to actually look for worms, they only come out in the nighttime in the dark. They don't come out in the daytime. Mm. So you have to have a dark room and you have to have some help from your partner and let your child know what you're going to do. And we just want to spring a torch light on the um, anal passage and yep. genital area to see if you can actually see the worms coming out. And uh, it's, this is the traumatizing bit. <laughs> they're, they're actually, they look like one, they're called thread worms because they look like a piece of thread or cotton. So they're about one centimetre long, wiggly pieces of cotton. Yeah. And you'll see them in the area. And so we need to remove them. We need to wipe them away. And then a really nice thing to do is to put some Vaseline or pawpaw around that area to catch any that come out yep. um, overnight. Yeah. And then we would then... You know, I, ideally, if you have the medicine in the cupboard, which I absolutely suggest for all yes. preschoolers and primary schools, yes. because this will be at the time of night when you cannot go to the chemist and buy something. <laughs> so um, the the convention chocolate squares are my family's go-to because you only need one piece and they actually taste like chocolate. Yes. And so you would dose up the whole family and then you would dose them again a week later. So... It's not the chemist trying to sell you more. You actually need to do it because you might kill the worms that are currently visible and okay. living in that environment, but then the eggs will latch or hatch, sorry, yep. and then a week later you'll have a reinfestation. So you need to do it on that day and then a week later. Yeah. And then <clears throat> we would hot wash all of the linen, towels, <clears throat> clothing, and just uh, put the washing in the sun to let it dry so that we kill the worms because they can actually live outside of the body, which is why children are such great germ sharers um, for days. So we need to to hot wash everything to kill them. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and it's sort of like with with having – and what do you think about – because I remember sort of when I was going through school, there would be this, you know, um, that they would give you – Kimbantrin, um, sort of once every six months or once every three months or whatever it was as a preventative. Does that work or does it only work when there's an infestation? Well, I think most parents would agree that we would only medicate a child if it was required. Yeah. So I think, you know, I've heard the stories where the grandparents worm the kids every school holidays when they have them. Yes. <laughs> and I think, is that because they actually have worms and the grandparents have identified it or is that because the grandparents can't tolerate the behaviour? <laughs> but, yeah, so I think <laughs> I think it's more about yeah, only medicate if you see, see that the child's actually got them. We wouldn't, we wouldn't want to give them medicine if they didn't need it. Yeah. So, you know, to contemplate how the kids get it, if we think about that the worms can live outside of the body. So one child, you know, a little super spreader that we call them now, Toddlers only share two things, love and germs. So yes. <laughs> one child has thread worms, they itch their, scratch their bottom, get them the eggs under their fingernails 
then they play with toys with the children and then other children get the worms, eggs from the toys or from the other child, touching the other child. And then toddlers are not great hand washers, so they don't wash their hands. They eat then after playing with the toys and the worms go in their mouth and then they're in there the next child's system. And that's exactly how it happens. So yeah. the best preventative thing is hand washing, proper yeah. hand washing and drying your hands and even a nail brush in the bath and teaching kids to wash their Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and, and encouraging that really great hand washing before eating is going to be the best place to start. And if you do identify them in your child, then letting the preschool or the school know so it can trigger the other parents to look for a potential reason why their child isn't being normal or refusing to go to sleep or wetting the bed. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And, um, yeah, and it's it's something that I guess new parents particularly sort of go, ooh, oh, that will yeah. never happen to me. It will happen to you. <laughs> It will happen to you and, uh-huh. uh, yeah, and it's unpleasant and it's gross but it just goes with the territory, doesn't it? And this is what I like about you, Natalie. You're like, this is real talk. This is going <laughs> to happen to you, parents. Have the convention in the cupboard next to the Panadol. You're going to need it. Yeah. This is our hot yeah. tip to you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, so I, if there are any parents out there and their toddler's not wanting to go to sleep and it's a change in behaviour, then I would be happy to help them be a sleep protective and figure out why. Excellent. And you can contact Natalie through the socials or through your website. Do you want to give everybody the address? Sleepandsettle.com.au Perfect. So easy. Natalie, thank you for joining us once again as our baby whisperer here on The Juice. Thanks, Lou.